the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So this is going to sound very odd. It's something that I've talked to you about before on a regular basis is your brand. And it's something I talk to my children about. And a great example of this is playing out in the news today and how important it is to protect your brand. It affects your ability to earn income. It affects how much people are willing to vouch for you. If you're going through a sloppy divorce, don't put it on Facebook. If you're going through a sloppy divorce, don't bring it to work. I know that sounds like not very nice of me, but I know a guy who went through his wife went ultra MAGA on him and he was ultra liberal, not ultra liberal, just he believed in science when they got married and he thought she did too. And then 20 years later, he finds out he, she doesn't. And he's like, they fought a lot because they had a kid. It wasn't him versus her. It was what's best for the kid. And uh, he brought it to work. And at, at some point in time, after like 60 days, he's like, I don't want her to leave me. People started making fun of him. Like, yeah, well, if you're not, we've given you 60 days of our time. Stop. So here's the story that I want to use this as. And this is a constant reminder to my children. Anytime you hear someone like Kanye West get into trouble, let's just make one up. He uses the N word. I'm like, kids, see, you can get canceled. You can lose your scholarship. Oh, the high school uh, quarterback who he was rapping music from a rapper. He was singing in his car, videotaping it because he was happy and he put it on the internet and someone was like, he used the N-word. Truly, it wasn't him in front of another human being. Um, So you can see that I'm a little surprised. Like he got canceled. He lost a scholarship. Um, I think if you have anything to lose, monitor what you do on your social services and your social uh, platforms. An FTX customer who lost $750,000 during its collapse has filed a lawsuit against the Golden State Warriors, which had FTX as its official cryptocurrency platform. I saw that and I'm like, yep, you got to protect your reputation. Steph Curry has been dragged into this. Tom Brady has been dragged into this. Um, then I go, an FTX customer, $750,000. Where's the individual responsibility? I think that is a question because I knew Bitcoin was risky. He didn't know it was risky. Is he just again, it gets back to like my last segment where sometimes sometimes people are looking for what they're looking for and they're not looking for any other possibility. In this case, my guess is this young man um, wanted to hit a home run. And when you hit home runs, you strike out a lot. If you ask me who I want on my baseball Hall of Fame team, I wouldn't want Bonds or McGuire or Sosa. Maybe Bonds because you walked a lot. Um, I know you're saying you're allowed to pick ster- juiced steroids, people. Maybe I don't know what fantasy league I'm in, but um, 
protecting brand is super important. Super important. Golden State's Warriors named FTX as an official cryptocurrency platform last December. That's where they got into a little bit of trouble. No. An official cryptocurrency platform. One former FTX customer is now suing the organization in California after the collapse of FTX. Man named Elliot Lamb accused the Warriors of falsely promoting FTX as a viable and safe way to invest in crypto. Now, I don't know a lot about this case, and I don't know if it's a guilt by association where Golden State took the money. Be careful what you take money for. I've never done a commercial that I got paid for. I'll do promos for other shows, but I'll never, ever do a commercial on the show where I'm like, you know, my favorite investment choice when I use brokers is XYZ brokerage. I don't no, no, no. Too important to me. So this FTX customer says he lost 750000 after the crypto exchange went bankrupt. He's filed a suit. He's a Canadian who lives in Hong Kong, which is a little Canadian right there. He proposed the class action lawsuit in San Francisco and Sam Bankman-Fried, Carolyn Ellison, and the reigning NBA champions. <laughs> like That doesn't quite fit, does it? But I guess it does. And I know in the paperwork that he signed when he became a client, he didn't read the legalese that says this is dangerous and risky. The lawsuit is seeking $5 million in damages for non-U.S. customers, adding that thousands, if not millions, of consumers internationally have been impacted by the collapse of FTX, which the suit claims perpetrated fraud and deceit at a scale rarely seen. I agree with all that. How much can we reasonably expect the Golden State Warriors to do due diligence on everything that they put on air? You would hope a lot, right? In my industry, I work inside the securities industry. It's monitored by the SEC. Um, one of the, the covenants is I'm not allowed to hire Joe Montana. And I'm not dragging Joe's name into this in a negative way. Let's say um, Jay Montana was the greatest quarterback ever. In the securities industry, you can't go, hi, this is Jay Montana. I love Rob Black. He's the best financial advisor I've ever had. I've thrown winning touchdowns, and he's a winner. Because you're too stupid. You're too stupid. You would fall for that. The SEC knows that. They protect you from me hiring a spokesperson. I've seen it done. I still see it done. Um, you know, one that uh, always got me kind of interested. And it, it, this is, what's a spokesperson? You know, like, what level of... Uh, what's too much? What crosses the line? But Ben Stein, the guy who in Ferris Bueller went, Bueller, Bueller. You've probably seen him on Fox if you channel surf. He was a speechwriter for Reagan, very conservative. He was the pitch man for Ray Lucia. And I'm like, I don't think that's legal. One minute. Now, Ray Lucia ultimately had a brokerage firm and an investment advisory firm, and he was sending clients from his investment advisory firm over to his brokerage firm and back and forth. That's the really, really, really skimmed down version of it. It happened a little bit differently than that. But the SEC ultimately said, you're going out of business or, or you're done, sir. And they took his license. Now, he oddly enough shifted it over to his children. But do you hold the warriors responsible for this one or do you hold the individual a-list celebrities and mass branding campaigns. Intentions was it the Golden State Warriors' intentions to hurt you, 
or was it to show you cryptocurrency as a thing in the Bay Area around the world? And here's a platform that's willing to use our name to get you in the door. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It's a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. I do my very best in some of the simplest ways to get key concepts to you. I try not to use fear or greed. You know, with that being said, sometimes it comes out, right? Kind of think it's kind of a natural human thing to do. Sometimes be a little bit spooked. Anything you ever want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email and say, hey, can you talk about this on air? And I'll do my best. Got a email last week from a young woman in her, what do you think, 20s? Yeah, 20s. And I thought, this is perfect. This is good stuff to talk about. The thought here was, what should I be doing? Her big thought in her head was something along the lines of TD Ameritrade or Fidelity. And I'm like, ooh, you need a little bit more than just that. What do you need? In your 20s, you need to have some basics. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to let you make some mistakes in your 20s. I'm actually pretty good with that. I think it's important that you understand compounding. I think it's important that you understand time are two of the most important things you can do or control. In your 20s, you want to start planning ahead. Get to where you want in life. You need goals. You need a plan. You can't just drive a car without a steering wheel or with your eyes closed. You kind of have to be conscious on this one. In your 20s, you need to live within your means. If you can't afford something, don't buy it. We all fall victim to this. I know. I once wanted to buy a car, and I knew in my head I could afford $300 a month payment. Not $310, not $325. Um, and I negotiated the hell out of it. Probably to the point where I could have picked up a couple extra shifts and just paid the extra money. But I went into it very conscious of living within my means. I didn't always. Also in my 20s, at the same time period, I went to concerts and I'd, you know, I'd fork out the money to Ticketmaster and get front rows. Or close. That's the thing I splurge on. Concert experiences. And now you're saying, but it's only one night and it's over after three hours. Exactly. And you're right. I budgeted in so that I was able to still pay my rent, do my business, eat food, date, 
the most important thing I did in my 20s was I made saving a habit. Not with a 401k, but with an IRA. I started my own company in my 20s, so we didn't have a 401k yet. So I did a self-directed IRA. Biggest, the most important thing to me was saving $2,000 a year. Because in my head, 2,000 times five years is 10,000. And then you're on your way. Rough to see the wizard. In my 20s, I figured out credit cards can get you into a lot of trouble. They can be an albatross around your neck. Um, I don't like the whole world of Susie Orman. Oh, and for the record, at a recent seminar, a guy came up to me and said, I'm a nuclear physicist, and I like Susie Orman. I'm like, okay, don't pay attention to my show. He also was talking about how lithium is not a rare earth, and I know. I don't care. If I said it on air, I talked too fast, I made a mistake. Oops. And he wanted to correct me. So I was like, leave. Just leave the seminar. He didn't pay for it. He didn't uh, He didn't even sign up. He just showed up. And I was just like, you know, you're too much. If you're going to come here and say you like Suze Orman, get out. I know you're saying that's pretty harsh, Rob. Um, if you knew what bad advice she gave, and it, I know that if you like that, you don't need to do anything that I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to play games with you that, you know, pay off your largest credit card first or your smallest credit card first, or just pay one off and you'll feel good about yourself. What I'm going to say is grow up, bootstrap up, set a goal to pay off all your credit card debt before you turn 30. Don't get into credit card debt again. A $2,000 balance on an 18% interest rate Credit card could take nearly 10 years to pay off if you just make the minimum 4% payment each month. And it's going to cost a $2,000 balance with a minimum payment cost an extra $1,100. And just for the record right now, some credit cards are up to 30%, not even the heinous 18%. Just here's something you need to know about credit cards. You're not getting a 12 to 18% raise every year. Stop paying 12% to 18% more. If you're carrying a balance, you're using credit card wrong, or you're really struggling financially, and you're desperate. In your 20s, start investing. The sooner you start investing, the less painful it will be and the more you'll accumulate. Let's say a man starts sucking away $200 a month at age 25. This is not a word problem. $200 a month at age 25, an account earning an average By the time he's turned 65, he'll have $703,000. But if he waits until he turns 30, he only has $462,000. So $200 a month is simple enough to you, like, I could do that, and I'm 25 years old. You're on your way. Because to me, $200 a month, if you can't do $200 a month savings, something bad on you. I know, I know there's inflation. I know there's rent. I know that there's a job market that's precarious for tech workers. So I'll, I'll dial that one back. I won't say bad on you, but I'll say it's really important that you get that one going. In your 20s, you want to establish credit. It's okay to live at home in your 20s if you're saving some extra money for a down payment on a home or down payment on a better lifestyle down the road. But at some point in time, you're going to need to cut that financial umbilical cord. And it helps to have good credit, so establish credit in your 20s. 
I have got a credit score of 820. It's the highest it's ever been in my life. I've usually had a credit score of 750 to 775 for most of my adult life. I once said on air, I've never seen a, a perfect credit score of 850 and someone's sent me theirs. And I was like, dang, that is perfect. Um, but having a 750 means you can get a 2.5% mortgage rate when they're available. You get the best mortgage rates. You get jobs. Every job that, uh, every employee that I've hired in the last 10 years, we've run a credit check on them. See if they've paid their bills on time. See if they have a foreclosure against them. Things that might mar their character or tell you like, yeah, they're not in it for the long haul to be your employee. They tend to find themselves in financial messes. So a good history can save you a bundle on your auto insurance. If you decide you want to get an apartment, landlord's going to run your credit. Job, we're going to run your credit. Building good history in your 20s will ensure that it's ready when you need it and want to use it in your 30s. When the bigger ticket items like homes and cars and other scenarios come into play. In your 20s, you want to make sure you have a marketable skill. Your own earning power rooted in education job skills is the most valuable asset you'll ever own. The most important thing that you have from age 20 to 60 is your ability to earn income. Period. I, 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 I could say you can become a crypto trader, genius, billionaire, but nope, I'm not going to say that's the most important thing. It's having a marketable skill. I use this example and it really shows math is kind of cold. If you make $100,000 a year at age 20, you're going to make, and you don't get any raises in your life, you're going to make $4 million in your working career from age 20 to 60, right? Now that's with no investments. In that period of time, that first 100000 will double in the next 30 years, three times. It's really important to get that first $100,000 saved. Um, so you have to do that out of income. And your income, do you see where how income and savings work together? And then income, savings, and investments. So in your 20s, have a marketable skill. In your 20s, marry wisely. I've got a family member who just got engaged. And they went to Italy to get engaged. And I'm like, oh. You guys are starting off with a lot of debt. Beautiful, but a lot of debt. In your 20s, have some fun. Investments in finance doesn't have to be boring. Taking the time to travel and have new experiences before you have a couple of cranky kids. It's easier. It's cheaper. Ten. Have some fun. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Did you see the headline news this week? Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to 11.25 years in prison. Found guilty on four counts of fraud. Comes to court pregnant. The idea of not being able to the idea of not being able to raise your kid for 11 years. It sounds like bad science fiction policing. But what Elizabeth Holmes did 
Sam Bankman Freed makes look silly with crypto and FTX. Will he get that similar time? Speaking of which, crypto and FTX got this weird, weird update over the weekend. We were introduced to a new character in the story named Caroline Ellison, a math way as a trader and a shadow figure. And some of the stories about how she went to Stanford and she kind of eight of them in the Bahamas started FTX and she's one of them and she's running Alameda, which is the company that was borrowing coins from FTX, then buying them back and basically laundering money back and forth between the two companies. So it looks like there was more business there than there was more assets there than there were. Kind of looks like she should be on the um, math team. She was on math teams when I was studying her up on her this weekend. But it's gotten into a weird thing where she's like, yeah, we're all sexually living together and we'd all pair off into a normal trad, T-A-R-D, trad. I'm like, what does that word mean? Traditional. So you get into traditional relationships, but then change the characters. I'm like, oh, this is a cult. And I think that's how it's going to be played out. That he was a charismatic figure that manipulated a lot of people. Um, Bill Gates and his Bill Gates sense of humor said he's done a lot of weird crap in his life. That's marking the world toilet day by sharing some of his antics, including drinking water from a fecal sludge. I'm a big fan of Bill Gates. Um, I know Microsoft was in a monopoly, and I know that he didn't have a lot of original ideas. I know a lot like Zuckerberg, he looked at the competition and said, oh, we should be doing that too. Uh, maybe he was Zuckerberg before Zuckerberg, but I do like him post-retirement. He's raised a lot of awareness about poor sanitation in the world. Eh, I won't get preachy, I promise. Um. I want to talk about things you should be doing in your 30s. I've talked about things you should be doing in your 20s, financially speaking. Now let's talk about things you should be doing in your 30s. When you turn 30, make sure you've paid off all your non-mortgage debt. It doesn't have to be 30 in day one, but mortgage isn't what I'm talking about. You want to get rid of the credit card you want to get rid of the auto loan debt. You want to get rid of the student loan debt. So you don't want debt to become a prominent conversation for you in your 30s. I was in a relationship with Juliet. And I learned I couldn't really talk honestly about money. I wasn't well established yet. And it, it's, it, it stinks. I didn't get married in my 20s. A lot of my friends got married in their 20s. I wanted to be established. I wanted to prove to Juliet I, I was the man. Don't let debt become that. It's not attractive. I say in your 30s, kick, kick that whole debt cycle altogether if you can. Save up for big ticket items. Avoid going to debt. I want a new $4,000 gaming computer for my son. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I can get it faster this year than last year. There's no supply chains. No. He's got a two-year-old computer. He'll be fine for another year. Maybe I'll get him a card upgrade and we'll, you know, put the card in together and have a father-son moment and then go fishing and then grab a beer together. But he's only 14. I know, I know, I know. 
$300 a month towards student loan payments. Turns out, you know, it's stopping you from saving. Try to get rid of the debt, especially the expensive debt in your 30s. In your 30s, get serious about retirement. I don't think you need all 40 years, age 20 to 60, but you need at least 30 years of saving and investing. If you wait till you're 40, you're probably going to work till the day you die. Work with a TD Ameritrade, a Schwab, a Fidelity, a Vanguard. That's it. There's no other companies. You can be blind to the rest of them. Those are the only financial companies you have to work with. Everyone else, eh, not quite them. And guess what? They're not going to look at the color of your skin. They're not going to look at how much you earn. They're not going to look at it at, you know, oh, you've got a nose ring. You can't, you're not welcome here. Vanguard, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Schwab. That's all you need. Why make it more difficult for yourself? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, this brokerage company out of uh, Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts. I've got a friend there. No, don't do that. No, no. I love that you have friends. Keep that fine. But don't necessarily work with a company other than the ones that I just talked about. They're low cost and they're great paperwork. Another thing to do in your 30s is start diversifying. your. Uh, okay, so get serious about retirement. Time's still on your side. Don't be tempted to save for your kids' college expenses instead of saving for your retirement. Save for your retirement first, kids' savings for college second. Make sure you're on track. After all, there's loans to pay for school. There's loans, but there's no loans to pay for retirement. Diversify your assets. Um, I think you should own some large cap companies. I think you should own some mid cap companies. I think you should own some small cap companies. I think you should own some growth. And I think you should own some value. I've been talking about this for years. It's a tic-tac-toe board where it goes from small to large on one axis. And on the other axis, it goes from value to growth. So you want some small cap value, some small cap blend, some small cap growth, some mid cap value, some mid cap blend, some mid cap growth. I know you're saying, but I really want to own just crypto. I really want to own just Apple. Wrong. Diversify. By your 30s, you should have at least a full stash of money to cover three to six months of expenses in case you lose your job. Now, again, when you turn to 60, I need you to have three years of income. Plus that emergency fund. But we're not there yet. We're still in your 30s. The best way to protect your assets is to have that emergency fund. This year, oh, at the seminar, a couple people came up to me and they're like, should I sell the stock because I really need money for my mortgage? I'm like, no, you should have had three years emergency fund. And they they want me to agree with them. Like things are going to get lower. I'm like, no, I don't know if they are or not. I know a year from now, I bet we're in a better position. If I, if I were a betting man. There's no guarantees. I think in your 30s, you know, protecting yourself with an emergency fund is really, really important. It's a weird idea for a lot of people like, wow, that cash is doing nothing. Well, the cash is now getting 4%. It's doing a little bit more than nothing. In your 30s, live simply. Uh, Don't live, don't compete with the neighbors. Small sacrifices add up to big rewards. Identify areas where you can trim fat. I can trim concerts if I needed to easily. Keeping up with the Joneses is a losing game. Someone else's success may be a facade. Um, my family's losing a family fr- uh, friend. They're moving back east. And 
they, there's kind of this facade that things are better back there. There's not a lot of difference between San Francisco and, and Boston as far as job markets go. But one person in the family believes she can only get a job in Boston, so the whole family's moving. They're struggling. But another facade that I saw was once uh, my kids were friends with two other kids who were their age. Their mother was like Barbie. Her name was Kelly. She was married to Dave. And Dave had a startup company that was doing an app for diabetics where basically your phone would tell you, hey, don't forget your sugar insulin. Hey, and we call those alarms. And if your app told you, don't forget your sugar readings and you look at your sugar readings and they weren't good. He would say, do you need a nurse? And he would hook you up with a nurse. Turns out we don't really need that. HMOs, they do it themselves. That's an in-house thing. But Dave said he was you know, getting venture capital. He was going to be this big success. He wasn't. It was all a facade. Um, he and his wife would lie to landlords about how much they would make. They would change. They would fake W-2s. Adobe Photoshop has its uses, right? For the record, this is funny. In my teens, when I was like 17, 18, my friend Brian P., um, he built replica state driver's license. And then you put your head behind this big box. And in front of the box, it was the state driver's license. But it was a real life size. Take a picture. You eventually, he, he figured out how to get it laminated and everything. And you'd hope the bouncer has never been to the Arizona because it looked re- pretty real. I was rolling in clay. That was my fake ID name. <laughs> I lived at 108 Toronto Lane. I knew my social security number. I used my own. Like, that's funny, right? Yeah, and some states have their social security number on your driver's license. That needs to change. Shinny, I'm looking at you. In your 30s, make your will known. You may die. And you have some assets that you want to go to your kids, your spouse, your family members. In your 30s, get a life insurance policy. Buy term life for the next 30 years. I know it's that kind of simple. 10 times your salary is a good start. That'll give your spouse some, some wiggle room in case you kick over debt to take time and mourn you, to take time and pay bills that were counting on your income. In your 30s, start being charitable. That's it. Those are the financial rules and commandments. That's it. You can listen to this segment again and again and again. That's your 30s. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investments, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. I talk about this often on the show. Patrick O'Hare's writings, it's something that I really, really enjoy. Um, last week, he put in his week in perspective and um, uh, big picture. He does the big picture and it helps to uh, like start your day with a little bit of discipline and reading the financial insights, the opening news, the squawk box, if you will, um, of what's going to happen and why. Let's join Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com now. And let's see if this rally that we're having this week, is it a holiday shortened feel good professionals are gone or is it a real thing? Are we getting back into growth versus value? Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your, your listeners. Um, 
Great to be back with you. I would say uh, in answer to your question that uh, it's probably more of a holiday type of uh, situation. Yeah. Uh, market this time of year does typically have a, a, a positive bias, but I think we'll really get our answer uh, in terms of where the market's mind is at when we get close to that 200-day moving average for the S&P 500, which is, uh, I'm not a technical analyst, but the, you know the charts have clearly shown that uh, that area has put up some pretty good resistance uh, this year. Uh, that's where the June rally failed, and we're uh, kind of coming up close to it again here, uh, just kind of right at around 40, 60 or so. And, uh, you know, we're not too far away from it, but that's where, you know, where I think the real challenge will come in. I love your headlines today from page one. High-profile companies, Deer, Nordstrom, HP, Autodesk reported earnings. Then you talk about the Reserve Bank of New Zealand raising its policy rate by 75 basis points. That's the largest one they've ever done. Very similar to the United States. And so what's going on here is also going on in New Zealand. Then you talk about China being uh, trying to control the COVID spread. And we're like, ah, it's never going to go away. You brought that back one back up. And there's a, a protest going on at Foxconn. Um, pulling together all this information and putting together a bullet shot in the market, do you find it entertaining or is it a job for you? Because I, I find it entertaining for me, like reading through your stuff sure. and other people's. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I can tell you, I've done it for tw- a little over 25 years now, and yep. uh, it, it is it is a job, but because I find it so entertaining, I love my job. And, uh, and so... Uh, I think I'm, you know, maybe in that minority that can say that, you know, I actually look forward to getting up at, you know, four or five a.m. each day because I'm interested to see what happened overnight uh, and to uh, to write about, you know, what's going on in the in the capital markets, but specifically the stock market. But uh, obviously, the interconnectedness of these markets all plays into, you know, how the stock market's going to react. Uh, and I think just in terms of today's page one column. You can see how it all blends in when you've got earnings, you've got central bank decisions, you've got uh, political decisions, you have just the COVID issue, right? And so uh, it's always, always interesting to me how, uh, how the market digests uh, the interplay of that news and how stock prices react to it. For our listeners, do you think, and Emma, this is total theory, you, you don't have to answer and you don't have to be specific. I feel like the market's priced in a short and shallow recession for 2023. It could go down another 10, 15, 20% if it's a long and deep recession. Um, what do you think the market's priced in? How far do you think we're into the Fed rate hike cycle? How like Do you see where I'm going at with this? Is like, um, Do you feel like 2022 has been a year of uh, gains or productivity, um, getting things accomplished to get through this? Or it's still kind of spiraling? Well, I think this year has kind of been a little bit of a, uh, well, it's been a, a more, not just a little, it's been a big eye-opening experience for a lot of uh, new investors to the market. It's been eye-opening for a lot of uh, seasoned uh, market participants who, who you know, have really, uh, I, I can tell you, you know, I've cut my teeth <laughs> over the last 25 years on predominantly very friendly monetary policy. And uh, and it's been I think one of the things we've, we've kind of struggled with this year is is this idea that you know the Fed's always going to ride to the rescue when the stock market has a big downturn, and uh, this particular Fed is is pretty much you know pulling the rug out from under that that idea, and is telling you look you know our concern is inflation and uh, and it's not 
the stock market. Uh, you know, I mean, the Fed would react if there was, if it perceived some type of systemic issue that would destabilize the financial system. But, um, but it's, you know, it's not seeing that. So its intention is to continue to fight inflation with, with rate hikes. And so the market has struggled to kind of get its mind around a little bit of a, a new reality, right? We're transitioning to, you know, uh, I mean, back to normalcy in a way, right? Where you know the Fed is not uh, necessarily the um, the safety valve that you know we've all kind of known it to be, certainly over the last 15 years or so. And so you've got interest rates that have adjusted for that, and people have to get their minds around that. And uh, and you you know you get these bear market rallies, you know, predicated on the notion that the Fed's going to pivot soon, right? Going to cut rates soon. Um, and, you know, that's going to be the challenge, I think, as we move into 2023. Uh, the Fed still is uh, pretty adamant that, you know, it's got more work to do. And uh, to your question, I think we're closer to the – we are closer to the – we're further along in that process, certainly. You know, if we're at, uh, you know, say, three, seven, five to four now, uh, and we get to maybe five, right? So we're, we're a good chunk of the way there. Um, but the idea that the market's going to grapple with next year is just, you know, how long will the Fed stay at that terminal rate? And by all accounts right now, the Fed seems pretty intent on sticking there for a while just to, you know, to make sure that, uh, it's got inflation back in the bottle. And and, uh, and that'll be something that, uh, you know, the market's going to have to continue to contend with in the coming months. And so um, I'm sorry, it's a long-winded way of saying I think also, you know, and answer your question, I think the market, you know, likes to think that it will be a short and shallow recession if we even get one. Uh, but, um, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, writing on the wall to suggest that it's going to be a very challenging economic environment in 2023, which in turn means it will be a challenging earnings environment. And so it could be pretty difficult to see some uh, more extreme multiple expansion from here. This is going to make you giggle. Speaking of recessions, I've been seeing a little bit too much of Jeff Bezos out there, and I'm getting a little nervous because he's not my indicator in any way, shape or form. I'm more of a numbers guy, but he's out there saying it's going to be a tough, tough, tough recession. Um, and people might be wise to start stop spending. And whoa, um, do you make anything of the kind of like the celebrity uh, market callers? Well, you know, I think it is their celebrity that kind of like, you know, makes people obviously pay more attention to what they say. But mm-hmm. um you know, Mr. Bezos is a, a great businessman, right? Um, right? And I think we're all kind of in the same boat of trying to make some educated guesses as to what, what will happen. I think really in the spirit of what he was saying, though, it's, it's kind of more just, you know, be mindful of, you know, you're going to have a – there could be a more challenging economic environment. And, and you know, uh, more people than not in this country are pretty – addicted to spending. Um, yep. You know, you can see that in surveys that suggest 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, not everyone is just, that's not always the case just because you're out, you know, going on vacations and stuff. People really do struggle with dealing with food and energy costs and things like that, that, that you know, force them to live paycheck to paycheck. But, but the point I think he was really trying to make is that when you have interest rates rising at the rate that they are, uh, you, you know, and knowing as a businessman that you're probably going to see more uh, layoffs in coming months, um, you know, I think he's just pretty much advertising a, a sense of prudent uh, behavior when it comes to making spending decisions. You know, spend more to need and not necessarily want uh, because uh, the environment, in the, you know, next year is, is, is likely to be more challenging. 
with that said, we have about two minutes left. I always like to give you the last word. Any last thoughts for us, Mr. O'Hare? Well, uh, I mean, we've had a market that uh, has, has acted fairly well here since that um, you know C- October CPI report. Um, you can sense, I think, anyway, the market really wants to believe that we're kind of turning the corner a little bit in terms of that inflation fight, uh, which is why you've seen this nice rally off off the lows. But, you know, uh, the point I've been stressing in, you know, recent weeks with you, Rob, really even almost throughout the years is that we have to keep our eye on uh, earnings estimates for 2023. that likely still too high. Uh, going to see those estimates continue to come down. And so you have a market that might see a higher floor here, but it might be difficult and could be quite some time before we get back to that all-time high that uh, was registered earlier this year. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Have a good holiday with your family. We always appreciate your help, and we're very thankful for your insights. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of both international and domestic news you can use. I use it to start my day, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes at the end of my day, if I haven't paid attention to details in the market, I'll look at the last, you know, three or four hours of what's called in play, which is a, a service that is at briefing.com and in play. For instance, I punched it up just now, taking a look at it. Um, it's going to give you the insights on things like summary of the weekly petroleum data. Consumer sentiment drops in November. Key takeaway from the report is that weakening sentiment has been influenced by the ongoing impact of inflation, higher borrowing costs, declining asset values, and expectations for a weaker market, uh, labor market. So there is so much that you can take away from briefing.com. I highly endorse. It's got a price tag to it, but anything that's worth it, in my opinion, is not free. Eh, maybe this show. <laughs> but other than that, not much. New home sales surprised to the upside in October. There's a lot going on. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find briefing at briefing.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.